0: Just a little food for thought. Uh, I I want to acknowledge something really quick, something that I acknowledge at my RUF every single Tuesday night, Um, and that I think your campus ministers might acknowledge with you, and it is this. I always tell my students that if you are new... If you're new to RUF, we're thrilled that you're here. If some of, some of you guys are new to your RUF, even this very semester. And I hope that what you have found in your group is what is true of our group. Um, we have students uh, from a number of backgrounds. We have students uh, who, who grew up in church their whole life. We have students who have never stepped foot in a church. We always tell our students. We do not expect that everybody who shows up at RUF is a Christian. As a matter of fact, we, we actually expect that we have a wide variety of people in the room. Some who are Christians and grew up in church and some who, you know, have friends who are Christians and they're curious about what their friends believe and so they come to RUF. And then we have some who are in the middle who are trying to sort it all out, right? I, I feel like across the board, really across the country at any RUF you go to, I, I really think that that's true. Um, I and mean, you need to hear that, especially for those of you who are newer to RUF and you're, you're trying to figure out the Christian faith. And it can look like that all these people got it together, right? It can look like, you know, they know the words to the songs. They've got their Bibles and, you know, pages worn and whatnot. They, they look like, man, ain't none of us got it all together. We got nothing together. That is the prerequisite for the Christian life is acknowledging that we are a broken mess, but we have a Savior that makes us whole. That is the sum total of Christianity, and it's accessible simply by believing it. Again, how are we justified to the living God? How are we made right with Him? It is just as if I'd never sinned, and just as if I'd done everything right. And it's received simply by faith. Galatians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul says these words. If I can find them, here they are. We know that a man is not justified by observing the law. Observing the law, you could say, by good behavior. Right? By being a better person. Right? We know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. We have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith why? because by observing the law no one will be justified right? sounds a little like Yoda could have said that you know the back and forth with the not by this by this it's always by faith Um, and that's all that Jesus asks uh, is that just as much as he meets you where you at and he takes you where you are he says look upon me See what I've done for you. Believe in me, hope in me, trust in me. We live, if that's your faith, then all of the stuff that I'm talking about, how we live our lives then, you know, again, it's not just our salvation, it's our salvation and living with our God, walking with him in the ways that he has shown us. And one of the most beautiful ways that he has shown us is by showing us what rest is. The passage that I'm going to read for us for our talk tonight It's from Matthew chapter 11. We'll probably refer to this again tomorrow. Some of, I mean, man, all the words that Jesus spoke were were altogether lovely. Um, But but this one gets me, you know, like right in the feels, right? Have you guys ever heard that before? You know, it just, and it it does because how do I feel sometimes? I, I, I feel busy, overly busy and I'm, I'm not making this up so that i can like identify with you college. I mean like i feel like this, you know? Some days it feels like there's too many irons in the fire and where is rest to be had and i am overwhelmed by the list of things that has to get done. And so this one is good. It's it's really wonderful. Matthew 11 verse 28 through 30. Jesus says this, "Come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and i will give you rest." Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is God's Word. Let me pray for us, and we'll get going. Oh Lord, we thank you for the gift of your Word, and I do pray, oh dear Father, that you would... Help us. We need your help. We need your beckoning call to come and sit with you, Lord Jesus, and be with you and give you our burdens that we might in return receive your rest. We ask for your help in this now. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you are not unfamiliar, if not many of you, are not unfamiliar with the Huff Post, Huffington Post, right? Uh, purveyor of all things time wasteful Uh, but occasionally you find a nugget right and on the HuffPost blog about a year year and a half ago I came across this nugget entitled of course I'm stressed I'm in college young lady named McKenna Bulkley says this wake up eat parentheses maybe drink coffee Go to class for a few hours. Maybe squeeze in an hour or two at my on-campus job or do some homework. Then grab a quick lunch and maybe some coffee before I go out to job number two. Then I get to spend seven hours there and then I go home. I do homework until who knows when. The next day I get to wake up tired and do it all over again. Or if I'm lucky and it's the weekend... I can grab an extra shift at work or catch up on the homework I didn't get a chance to do earlier in the week. Somewhere in there, I usually try to find the time to spend a few minutes with my friends once or twice a week, or at the very least, watch some Netflix in order to preserve my sanity. Bravo. Right? How many of you resonate with that? You may not have two jobs, you may have one. You might have three but surely these words ring loud and clear, right? The coming and going, the overwhelming schedule, the homework that you didn't get to and the friends that you didn't get to. And so maybe just to preserve your sanity, a little Netflix will do, right? And that wonderful, warm elixir coffee, seeing us through it all, right? That, that, that lovely friend... Anywho, it is how we feel. Uh, We lack rest. We want for it. But it just feels like when college is over, that's when I'll rest. And I just feel like life, there's much more to life uh, than that. I feel like we just have to make some choices. The problem is uh, we're not very well versed in rest. Uh, It it was not modeled to us, many of us, as we were growing up. Uh, It was not taught to us as we were growing up. And then we're sent off on our own into the big world of college. And we're told, make it work. And really it becomes a circus of the blind leading the blind because we just do what our friends do, right? And at the same time, like, they're just as crazy about it as we are, and no one is resting. No one is rested from the time the semester begins until December. That last exam is taken, and you can absolutely collapse, maybe for a moment, right? We are not unlike this character from the movie The Shawshank Redemption, if you've never seen it, it really is a wonderful film. It is rated R, so there's some objectionable, langu- objectionable language and some content. However, uh, it really is a wonderful, even redemptive film. Uh, and in that film, there's a, a guy named Brooks. and He's an older gentleman who's been in prison for the vast majority of his adult life. And he has become so accustomed to the institution of prison that when he is let out on parole in his like mid to late 80s, he's let out into society and he has freedom to come and go as he pleases, he has a job to go to, but he has all this time and he absolutely does not know what to do with himself. Because in the institution, he was told there's this, then there's this, then there's this. Everything was according to a different time. He had a job that he had to be at and everything was fixed. When he got out into the world, he didn't know what to do with himself with all the time that he had on a free schedule and whatnot. And so he ended up making a really bad life decision, but it was because Again, he didn't know what to do with himself. We are not unlike that when it comes to rest. When you have a moment, a break between your chaotic life schedule sometimes... That's when you sort of perk up and go, man, I I could do anything. But you're like, I don't know what to do with myself. But I should be doing something. I I just sat with one of our students last week and she said that exact thing. She's a sophomore, uh, really, you know, hard worker, go-getter. And she said she went to visit some friends and she had some downtime because of the two friends she went to visit, um, one had to go to work and the other had a meeting to be at and she was left to herself for like two hours. Absolutely did not know what to do. She said, I felt like I should have been working, but I didn't bring my books with me because I was visiting my friends. It was a vacation, you know, but she couldn't totally rest because she was sort of, you know, plagued by those thoughts of like, gosh, I've got this to do. I've got that to do. I should be. I should be. And I feel like that sometimes. Almost feel guilty for doing nothing. But y'all, that's not what God's intention for us is. I mean, God's intention for us is, yes, to put the the hand to the plow, to work hard, to represent him well in in the work that he's given us. But he has also intended for us to be balanced creatures in our lives to where when rest comes, we can actually enjoy it, much less look forward to it. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about um, what I believe rest is or what it can be. Okay? And then I want to talk to you about... um, why we don't? What are obstacles to our rest? And then after that, um, I want to do this a little exercise with you. And by exercise, I mean you continue to sit and listen to me talk to you. Um, <laughs> but I'm calling it taking stock, okay? Um, and again, tonight, largely practical, you know, uh, kind of under the umbrella of Jesus's call to us to come to Him where we find rest, okay? Uh, but all of our rest, whether it's spiritual rest coming to him, any real rest in life, anything that's restful and life-giving as opposed to life-taking, there's a difference. will talk about that in a moment. Okay? Um, it's all under the umbrella. It flows out of our relationship with our Savior. Okay? So what is rest? I, I, would, I would simply put it to you as this, that it's a, a ceasing, um, you know, a stopping You know, work or things that are required of you, whether it's schoolwork or work-work. You know, you're done with your work day in the workplace. Um, A stopping of work, a setting it aside um, to where you can enter into other activity. Other activity that is restful to you. I would say life-giving restful because there is activity uh, that we think is life-giving, but it's actually more life-taking some examples uh, at the top of my list reading, <clears throat> namely the Bible. Um, there is no leisure activity that will give you the rest and, and the reprieve that your busy mind that you can't get away from sometimes and your busy heart that you certainly can't get away from really craves. At at an in-depth spiritual level, you crave the rest that only Jesus can give. And he gives rest as a promise. Not a maybe, not a we'll try it and see if it works. But Jesus' promise, which you can take to the bank... Is that if you go to him with your burdens and with all your anxieties and with all your busyness and chaos and whatever it is, his promise is that there is rest. It may be for a moment, but the more you do it, the more of those moments sort of build up and you start to notice that your life has a better perspective to it. Um, Some of the rest, some of the peace that we crave, we forego simply because we don't take Jesus at his word. Uh, I don't know if it's because we don't think he's trustworthy or just because it's so intangible, we can't see it, we can't touch it, you know, that the tangible things oftentimes went over. Much like the girl from the HuffPost article that I just read, uh, you know, we feel like to maintain my sanity, I just need an episode of Netflix, you know. But that's a temporary, like a band-aid fix for, for a real type of, 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 um, of assurance of, of a rest or a peace that would otherwise wash over your soul that comes from your Savior. Why are we so slow? I don't know. I don't know. It's part of who we are as creatures. You know, we're, we're, we're mixed up. We're... Uh, we we deceive ourselves sometimes. Jeremiah chapter seventeen, verse nine says, "The heart is deceitful above all things; who can fathom it?" You know how how can we fathom our inner our inner workings, our inner thoughts, the workings of our hearts that you know sometimes want to be near the Lord and sometimes just don't. You know we can feel like I'm so tired; I don't even know where I would begin to read my Bible. You know, um, if that's you, just go to Matthew eleven, verses twenty-eight through thirty. And read and re-read those verses. It's lovely. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How we long for that light burden. It's, it's funny. I was talking with a student about this very passage, and uh, the, the girl's ears kind of perked up. And she was like, what does that mean exactly when Jesus says uh, that his yoke is easy and his burden is light? And my take on it, you can talk amongst your friends or talk to your campus minister, but my take on it is that in any yoke that is heavy or any burden that is heavy to us is never heavy to Jesus. That which is heavy to him is light. His yoke, his burden, it's, it's always light. It's always easy. So that's one of the first things about resting. The ceasing and stopping that we do, our first stop should be sitting with our Savior. Um, and then from that, we receive rest for our souls, but then there, is a, a, there, are, there are other types of rest that we can appropriate out of that rest. Uh, sleeping is another. Uh, a young lady named Lauren Winner, the same author of a book that's on the book table back there, um, she wrote an article called Sleep Therapy. You should Google it. Um, it's about a you know, one or two page read, maybe a five minute read. But it's an interesting sort of theological take on sleep, sleep therapy. And this is what she says about our sleep. A hundred years ago, before Mr. Edison's marvelous invention, the electric light bulb, people slept about nine hours a night. They were right in line with the eight to ten hours that sleep specialists say that we need. Now we are a nation of the chronically sleep-deprived. And who could argue with that, right? Right? I might average six hours a night, some of you less, some of you more. I have a few students, they're definitely in the minority, who are like in bed religiously by 10.30 at night. Right? They get the required seven to nine hours of sleep because they can't function without it. But they forego some things. You know, we look at those people and we say, how can you possibly do that? And still keep up with school or still whatever. You can. You can. Or even if you can't, you can take a nap. And some of you, some of the things that I'm going to say to you, you guys are going to want to fight me on, in a sense. Everything I say, that's impossible. What are you talking about? I can't take a nap. You can, you just won't. (laughs) It's true, though, really, you know? And we whine and moan and, you know, complain about how tired we are. And it's like, do you have 15 minutes? Because for some of us, this guy included, the moment I close my eyes, within 60 to 90 seconds, I'm asleep. But studies have been shown that unless you sleep, if you sleep more than 20 minutes, that's like the magic number. Don't sleep more than 20 minutes because then you enter into another sleep cycle, a deeper cycle of sleep. But they do say the power nap is a real thing. And so if you can like set your alarm and maybe have a friend call you, which you could do that. Right? You could set two alarms on your phone. You could have a friend call you on 10-minute intervals until you're standing up, whatever it is. But you really could sleep for 12 to 15 minutes. And you could do that at least once a day, maybe even twice. If you're the type that you're just like, I absolutely cannot sleep for more than five to six hours a night. I have to get my work done. And for a season in life, that might be you. You might be the one who has one job, two jobs, 16 hours, a credit load of school during the semester. Reading, sleeping, what else is it? Feasting. There is something uh, incredibly life-giving and restful about feasting. In other words, eating together with your friends. Some of you, if not many of you, need to learn uh, uh, what, what the whole concept of hospitality is. Hospitality is very simply inviting others into your life. Even if that means you gather a group of three or four friends and you say, we all have to eat, right? so come to my house Thursday night for dinner and we're going to do this once a month you know, in the midst of a crazy busy schedule taking a break and having dinner with some friends some of you are like, well I don't have any money okay Um, you ask your friends to bring stuff you know, you make the spaghetti noodles somebody else brings the pasta sauce in a jar right, we're going meatless right, Um, somebody else brings the bread and somebody else brings a bag of cookies, a bag of Oreos. That's dinner, college student, right? And it's a break. It's a break. I mean, the thing is, we're so, our schedules are so full and so crazy and chaotic that we don't even take a moment to stop and think of what the possibilities are. To bring some sanity and some life back to our life, right? Right? One thing, and I was just like, so I'm, I'm constantly, your campus ministers and interns, are. we're always thinking about these things. How can we introduce real life to our students more and more? And I was sitting in my office about two weeks ago, about two hours before RUF, and all of a sudden I had this thought. I texted my interns, and I'm like, what do you guys think of this? We're going to have lunch groups, and we're going to put four people in a group at random. They're going to sign up at large group, And we're going to put random people in a group and they're going to go to lunch together like once. One time. I told my interns, I think we'll probably have like 10 people sign up. Because everybody is so busy and so overwhelmed. 40 students signed up. Such is the craving for some normalcy and some connection with real people Right? Not the screen, real human beings, right? I was, I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. It's just a little thing. You could do it too, right? All you have to do is have an idea. Um, playing is a form of rest. I had a friend who hated to exercise and work out, but he loved to play like a kid. He loved to get out in the backyard and play home run derby with the wiffle ball and wiffle ball bat. Um, He would love to play this game where we would challenge each other with the frisbee. And you would throw the frisbee out in front of your friend. And he had to sprint all the way across the field to see if he could catch it before it hit the ground. Right? It's it's silly and kind of funny and fun. But, you know, it's a break in the day. 30 minutes. Many of us have 30 minutes, but we're too busy doing what? Oh, that's right. Watching videos of cats. Um... (laughs) Worship Uh, worship together with Bible reading on your own. Taking advantage of worship. Taking advantage of RUF. Taking advantage of church on Sundays. Um, Sometimes we will bend over backwards for a number of other things that are not life-giving. They're just not. Like friends asked us to go see a band. A band whom we've never heard of. Or who we've thought like, oh, I've heard of them, I want to hear their stuff. So like we drop 50 bucks on a ticket to go to some concert and we we like move our schedule for that. But for whatever reason, and I mean this with so much love, on a Tuesday night, RUF is like the fifth priority. Like making one hour to go to RUF, it's, it's all of a sudden the most optional thing in your life. What I'm saying to you is that our priorities... We give our priorities to things that feel like it's going to be life-giving and a break. And I'm not opposed to going to a concert. I love going to a good concert, so long as it's a band that I've heard of, you know. Um, And especially if I'm going to drop that kind of money for a ticket, you know. But meanwhile, God has given you a lasting, a lasting foundational heart level thing called RUF worship in the middle of your week. Now look, don't hear me say what I'm not saying. There are moments you've got two tests the next day and a paper that's due 10 pages long later that afternoon or the day after that. And you've got too much to do. I get it. You may need to miss RUF, but I think too often it becomes, it can become, you know, too optional. Like we need to think a little bit more intentionally if we really want to rest well. A little food for thought. Um, Those are my... Maybe in a moment when we take some stock here, and again, I just keep telling you what to do with your life. Um, You know, you you can continue to make your list during your little small groups, you know. Um, Why don't we rest, though? I've already said it, but I'll say it again. In the theoretical realm, we just think it's impossible. I'm too busy. I can't do it. Uh, In theory, that sounds true. It feels true, right? I don't blame you. I feel like that sometimes, too. Um, In theory, some of you feel like rest is unnecessary, um, I used to pride myself on the ability to get by on long periods of time of five hours of sleep a night. Um, you know, I used to say things like, and some of you have said this before, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Right? Now, there's too much life to live, so on and so forth. Uh, but in theory, you know, that, that's it. Uh, I, I don't need to rest, you know? I, I, don't, I don't really need it. I'm, I'm fine, you know? That's like two of you in the room, maybe. Um, some people are so given to their work that they say, I enjoy my work so much, my work is my rest. Shut up. <laughs> you know? um, from the theoretical to the practical. What are the practical things that take us away from real, true, life-giving rest? Um you know, and they can become a sense of a life-taking type of rest. Um, you know, there's like the big four: Facebook, Twitter, InstaBlam, and um, Snapchat. Right? Um, it can. It, they, they can. On, on the one hand, I'm all for social media. It's fun, you know. But before you know it, you look up and an hour is gone. Like, that, it's just gone. Where did that hour go? I don't know, but I got to get back to so-and-so who just snapchamped me. I got to get a I don't know. I don't know. Snapchat is like the final frontier for me. Like, I'm just... I can't do it. Not doing it. Um, our phones, in general, you know, our phone is never off. I can't remember the last time I turned my phone off. Um, uh, we say yes to all sorts of things. We say yes too readily too often. Uh, to things that are of little consequence to our lives because we're afraid of people. You know, we're afraid of what they're going to think of us if we prioritize our life and um, we say no. We're afraid to say no. So we keep saying yes. Uh, either so that people will like us or so that we can add to our resume because the heavier the resume, the better my chances of getting a job. Functionally speaking, that way of thinking is just sort of a way of saying, God, I don't really trust you with my future, so I need to really take care of it myself. So I'm going to keep saying yes to things that are going to kill me, um, and I'm not going to be rested, and I'm going to be miserable, but that's okay because I'll have a job. Y'all, you know, and I mean this with all sincerity, the Lord loves you, and he cares for you, and if you can trust him with your salvation, you can certainly trust him with your future. You know, the God, he is the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You know, and he cares about every aspect of your life, including the future vocation with which you're going into. Now, that's not to say you don't do some extracurricular stuff, but some of you have said yes to too many extracurricular things. You just have, and you're worn out. And some of those things, I'm not saying all of those things, some of those things you need to look closer at and go, what should I maybe pull back on and say no to this semester? Again, just a thought. Uh, the Almighty FOMO uh, found a really great article in Outside Magazine entitled Just Say No to FOMO. Highly recommended for you to read. Uh, a little devotional reading just next to Jesus' own words. Um there's a lady who wrote the article, and, and, and what happened, the, the situation was this. She's a wife and a mother, and her family loves doing stuff outside together. And I guess their article was written in March of 2015, and there was like an epic snowfall that was coming across parts of New Mexico and Colorado. And um, there was going to be all this sweet powder. And wouldn't you know it, she broke her leg and couldn't go ski with her family. And so this is what she did. She turned to Facebook. And she says this, turning to Facebook became a compulsive tick. Everybody in the whole world, it seemed, was posting face shots from the sickest powder day ever. One for the memory books, fringe gushed online, four feet in four days. Even the East Coast was buried in powder, she says. As much as I knew I should shut it down and spare myself and my family more mean-spirited angst, The more I compulsively checked Facebook for snow reports. It was a sick form of self-torture. Proof that my life was boring and mediocre. Doesn't FOMO do that to you? Right? Some of you almost were not sitting in this room, nor were you here this weekend. Almost. Because there was something going on back home. You don't even know what it was going to be, but it was going to be happening, and you weren't there right or there was something concrete that you looked at and you saw it and you were like oh dude there's that thing but then there's fall conference and I'm like man decisions and choices and if I do this I'm going to have a terrible life for saying no to this because I'm afraid of missing out man it's terrible isn't it the FOMO but we bow down to it like a mighty God at least once a week if not more than that don't we Oh, the FOMO. Because we don't want a mediocre life. We want a more of a great life, like the ones that those people have on the Insta-blam and the Snapchat and whatever it is. You know, like everybody else looks so happy. You know what? They're not. You know? I mean, we all have happy moments. I you know, like, the- I'm, I'm exaggerating for effect a little bit here, right? We all suffer from it. We, you know... We are tempted to think that our life is boring and I, I should be doing more and, and why, why is it that everybody else looks like they're having fun and, well, I got left out and, you know, um, sometimes it's because we refuse to say yes to a perfectly good offer when it's made. So often I know my students, you know, get back to friends of theirs and they say, well, maybe I'll see what I can do. The most common response that I get from students when we offer up really all sorts of fun things with verifiably, I can verify it, fun people. They are verifiably fun people, right? And we invite our students and the thing that they say is, and some of you say this too, I'll try to be there. I'll I'll see I'll I'll try I don't really know what that means. What do you mean you'll try? Either you're free or you're not. And if you can't, it's okay. I don't mind you telling me no. I just want to know how many people to buy pizza for. Or I want to know how many people to tell the bowling alley to expect and how many lanes we need to reserve. You know, but this, I'll try. Like, basically that saying, I'm going to see how many other offers I get and I'm going to weigh them against your offer because I want to maximize how much fun I have. And oftentimes, those are my students who end up sitting in their friend's apartment watching, you know, Netflix or a movie at like 11 o'clock or 1 in the morning when they could have been out with a big group of people having a blast. I don't know. Anyway, there's many other things. It's just, it's, it's life. It's real life, right? Um, you know, sometimes, and sometimes the thing, you know, and sometimes it's just trial and error, right? Right? We say yes to things because we think it's going to be awesome, and it might have been awesome, but maybe it wasn't. But that doesn't mean that those people are any less great or, you know, that that opportunity, again, wouldn't be any less fun. Okay, so now we're going to take stock. Um, I'm starting to notice the hour, so I'm going to try to wrap this up. Um, Put this under the category, hope is not a strategy. Okay? Hope is not a strategy. Hoping things will get better does not automatically make things get better. Whether it's with your studies, "Mm, really hope I get an A on that test tomorrow. (laughs) What is that? You know? Like, you have to make a plan, and you have to study for the A. Like, there is a strategy you must put into place. But oftentimes, with our rest, that which we long for and are dying for, and we're overwhelmed and anxious and all this stuff... We have no strategy for rest because we feel like it's impossible. And I'm going to tell you again, it's not impossible. It's not. But hoping it's going to happen is not a strategy. So you need a strategy. Um, On the one hand, a couple of practical things that you can do. And I resist this. I resist doing this uh, because I'm not a very organized person, and I love to fly by the seat of my pants. I am the king of, hey, it'll work out, right? And some of you who are like me are like, yeah. And then others of you are like, oh, gosh, no, that never works. You know? Um, So what I'm going to tell you is what I've been learning over the last 13 years as a campus minister, that which behooves me is to become a list maker. To, and swirling around in your brain and with those overwhelmed thoughts are all the things that you have to do it's much better if you write them down on paper because at least it begins to get it out of your mixed up head and onto paper in it. and there is, there is something even restful about just doing that, so write it down on paper make a list so you can see the list and then you can begin to go okay, this is my list, what's most important what do I do first, and then you start marking stuff off and then you start to feel your anxieties, like, start to come down. And, and then by the end of it, you're like, holy crap, I've got, like, three hours left in my day. What am I going to do? Right? It can be, like, sometimes, you know. Okay, maybe 30 minutes, not three hours. Um, uh, use, a, use That and using a calendar. Be a list maker and use a calendar. Um, and a lot of you girls, uh, I just I just know... My wife gravitates toward the calendar. A lot of my female students gravitate toward the calendar. And a lot of my guys are more like, hey, it'll work out. Um, dudes, I'm here to tell you. Uh, for your present self and your future self, uh, as a single guy, but if you venture into the world of marriage one day, uh, learning how to like keep a schedule and keep a calendar will be your greatest gift, <laughs> gift to your friends, to your future employer, and to your future spouse, if you want to get married. Um, so those are two practical things. But here's what I mean by, um, in, in order to be, be a list maker, to be a calendar keeper, a few questions to ask and then I'll pray for us um, and we'll be done. Your, your time, if you've ever thought about this, your time is your most precious commodity and or possession. Your time, because you're in control of it, it's, you know, how you spend your time, where it goes, you get to decide, Right? It's really a gift from God to you to take care of. Your time really isn't yours, just like every other possession is not yours. It ultimately belongs to the Lord, and you belong to the Lord, right? And he cares for you, and because he cares for you, he wants you to make more sense of your life. He wants you to have more rest, and so in order to do that, you must look at where your time is going. Now, this may be a little bit extreme, but it might actually be helpful. If you're the type, find yourself not on, like, Google Keep or, whatever online list making app you have, but with pen and paper for like four days, much less maybe a week, um, try to keep track of your time. Where does your time go? Every 30 minutes. So, every 30 minutes, I know it sounds crazy, and it's possible though, every 30 minutes just to write down, studied class like that's where you were that's what you did lunch with so-and-so and And you begin to like and even if it's like oh okay um facebook you know i mean netflix for like four hours you know right because facebook is like potato chips right you can't just have one you can't just have one episode like i'm gonna have a bag full of episodes right potato chips an open bag is an empty bag let's face it um Keep a log of your time and see where it's going and then look back and ask those hard questions. What do I need to do? Are, are there things that I'm doing with my time where I'm just, just farting my time away? I mean, really. And you can look at the, where you spent your time and you can ask yourself that question. What of this was life-giving? What of this was life-giving? You know? Food for thought. Some hard decisions that you might have to make. Where you spend your time between classes. Some of you have two-hour breaks, three-hour breaks, and you really are sitting with your friends looking at videos of cats. You know? And it's like, you could have spent those two hours studying so that you don't go to bed at three in the morning. You could have. Look, I'm not an expert. I just, I know the questions to ask. I just don't know all the answers. I leave that up to you guys. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, Really good book that I came across this year called Deep Work about getting work done in a distracted world. Um, I like to think of it as um, getting good rest done in a distracted world. Um, he has a chapter in there, and his chapter is entitled, Quit Social Media. And for some of us, it's like, perish the thought. Are you kidding? My fans, right? My fan, what are my fans going to do, right? But this is, this is his theory, right? His theory is, take a break from social media for 30 days. For you, let's say, I'll, I'll even make a deal with you. Two weeks, not even a month, just two weeks. But here's what he says to do: Don't tell anybody you're doing it. Don't do the Facebook thing. Hey, everybody, I'm gonna take a break from Facebook. Just wanted everybody to know. Like, none of us wanted to hear that, to be honest. Like, so. Um, but actually, his reasoning for not telling anyone is to see if anyone notices. And he says, if no one notices, if no one says anything to you, Hey, where you been? I've been missing all your fabulous pictures on InstaBlam. I love it (laughs) because you're the best picture taker ever. And man, those videos. If nobody says anything, then maybe you should stop doing it. Because what we've done is is we've substituted what we really want. Things that would be life-giving, restful interaction with other human beings you know, we've, we've gone for really cheap substitutes, you know, like like the likes. Like, we, we will bow down to the likes, right? Um, there's a great little episode on NPR, uh, on uh, not NPR, on This American Life. Um, it's called Status Update. If you get the chance, go and listen to this. Just listen to the first, like, 13 minutes of it. They interviewed three... Early, early, age, early teenage girls like 2 or 13 and 1 14 year old and they were talking about the, the world of Instagram and the likes and all this stuff and y'all it is crazy but even for a 13 and 14 year old like oh I'm so much older more mature no you're not like we're just as immature as them you know we, we, we feel better when more people like our stuff you know, but then when we shut our phone off it's, it's such a temporary high that I gotta keep doing it in order to maintain that high And don't you feel that low when you're like, holy crap, only eight likes? Are you kidding? (laughs) I mean, a friend told me, I don't don't know what that's like, of course. I mean, you know, because I'm like through the roof, you know? (laughs) And then I'm I'm jealous. Aren't you jealous of those people? Like, how in the world does Andy so-and-so repeatedly, dude, always gets like 374 likes? Like man, I want I'm, y'all. I'm not kidding. Like I post stuff like for like it's you know RUF or whatever. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? I just posted something awesome, and like 20 of you. We can't we can't break the ceiling of 20 with our Mizzou RUF Instagram. <laughs> um, okay, sorry for the excurses, but um, but you, you may you may need to quit social media. Um, some of you may need to find a friend. Uh, for, for accountability. They're like, friend, what that Ross guy said, there might have been something to that. Let's both quit social media, or let's both like keep a calendar, or let's both, and let's talk to each other about it. You know, We can't go this road alone. We need each other, right? Um, but just really to have somebody to talk to. Hey, how was your week not being on Twitter? Oh. And then all y'all are like, dude, who's on Twitter anymore? Good grief. Um, becoming a morning person. Um... Basically, becoming a morning person just happens when you go to bed. Um, very few people are effectively productive the later we get into the night. Am I right? Or am I right? Um, it's just true. Uh, there was an article that I came across recently on the line, and um, it was talking about, like, five ways to improve your health. And, of course, I'm all about that, you know. And so um, it was like, go to sleep, you know. That was, but that was number number five, and everything else was like, you know, eat a vegetable and, you know, whatever. And then number five, it was this emphatic, go the to sleep. Because they're basically saying, no one is that productive the later the night time gets, and you just end up, you know, we fall into like this confused state, don't we? Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm 42 and I still feel it. I can look at the clock and tell myself, you should go to bed. And I'm like, or I could just kind of sit here <laughs> and, and not move. And I can tell you what's going to happen. My next morning self is going to look at my nighttime self and go, why did you do that again? <laughs> right? Because we're insane creatures. And like, change is hard. But again, hope is not a strategy. And we really do need a friend that we can talk to, that we can say, look, we both know I'm crazy. But I want you to like text me at eleven and ask me if I'm in bed yet, or something. I mean, you know, like it sounds crazy, but desperate times call for desperate. Like, here, here's the question: I'm so curious to know what it is that they're talking about. But, but y'all, here's the question. does your anxious mind and heart and your overwhelmed self want rest bad enough what's our breaking point what's the point at which we will finally say man I gotta do something here you know you know sometimes it's just baby steps you know everyday I'm gonna you can pick any of the above of what I've said Name, chiefly of course just starting with God's word you can join the ten a day club Uh, professor in in seminary uh, used to say that. He said, you can join the 10 a day club if you want to, you know, really really learn and appropriate your biblical Greek just look at it for 10 minutes a day and you'll be, you know, you'll you'll, you'll learn it. Well, the same applies, I think, in the Christian life. Even if you had 10 maybe 15 minutes a day to sit with Jesus, you would see dramatic results in terms of having some rest that you really want. These other things are, you know, secondary to to that thing. Um, There are practical things we can do, but namely, chiefly, taking Jesus up on his promise that we will find rest if we sit with him. I know we've had fun. Like, this is fun. It's fun to talk about. It's fun to laugh. I wanted it to be a little more lighthearted tonight because I knew you would be tired. Um, But uh, hopefully I've given you some things to think about. Now, tomorrow morning, we're going to look more at the scriptures, uh, and I'm going to give you a pattern within which to fit all of this stuff. Okay? Let me pray for us, and we'll be done.